Part One. Riddles. Chapter One. Beneath the Demon Moon. One. One. The town of Candleton was a poisoned and irradiated ruin, but not dead. After all the centuries, it still twitched with tenebrous life, trundling beetles the size of turtles, birds that looked like small, misshapen dragonlets, a few stumbling robots that passed in and out of the rotten buildings like stainless steel zombies, their joints squalling, their nuclear eyes flickering. "'Show your pass, pard!' cried the one that had been stuck in a corner of the lobby of the Candleton Traveler's Hotel for the last two hundred and thirty-four years. Embossed on the rusty lozenge of its head was a six-pointed star. It had, over the years, managed to dig a shallow concavity in the steel-sheathed wall blocking its way. But that was all. "'Show your pass, pard! Elevated radiation levels possible south and east of town. "'Show your pass, pard!' Elevated radiation levels possible south and east of town. A bloated rat, blind and dragging its guts behind it in a sack like a rotten placenta, struggled over the posse robot's feet. The posse robot took no notice, just went on butting its steel head into the steel wall. Show your pass, pard! Elevated radiation levels possible. Dad, rat it, and God's cuss it! Behind it, in the hotel bar, the skulls of men and women who had come in here for one last drink before the cataclysm caught up with them grinned as if they had died laughing. Perhaps some of them had. When Blaine the Mono blammed overhead, running up the night like a bullet running up the barrel of a gun, windows broke, dust sifted down, and several of the skulls disintegrated like ancient pottery vases. Outside, a brief hurricane of radioactive dust blew up the street, and the hitching post in front of the elegant beef and pork restaurant was sucked into the squally updraft like smoke. In the town square, the Candleton Fountain split in two, spilling out not water, but only dust, snakes, mutie scorpions, and a few of the blindly trundling turtle beetles. Then the shape which had hurtled above the town was gone, as if it had never been. Candleton reverted to the moldering activity which had been its substitute for life over the last two and a half centuries. And then the trailing sonic boom caught up, slamming its thunderclap above the town for the first time in seven years, causing enough vibration to tumble the mercantile store on the far side of the fountain. The posse robot tried to voice one final warning. Elevated rate and then quit for good, facing into its corner like a child that has been bad. Two or three hundred wheels outside Candleton, as one traveled along the path of the beam, the radiation levels and concentrations of DEP-3 in the soil fell rapidly. Here the mono's track swooped down to less than ten feet off the ground, and here a doe that looked almost normal walked prettily from piney woods to drink from a stream in which the water had three-quarters cleansed itself. The doe was not normal. A stumpish fifth leg dangled down from the center of her lower belly like a teat, waggling bonelessly to and fro when she walked, and a blind third eye peered milkily from the left side of her muzzle. Yet she was fertile, 
and her DNA was in reasonably good order for a twelfth-generation mutie. In her six years of life, she had given birth to three live young. Two of these fawns had been not just viable, but normal, threaded stock, Aunt Talitha of River Crossing would have called them. The third, a skinless, bawling horror, had been killed quickly by its sire. The world, this part of it at any rate, had begun to heal itself. The deer slipped her mouth into the water, began to drink, then looked up, eyes wide, muzzle dripping. Off in the distance she could hear a low humming sound. A moment later it was joined by an eyelash of light. Alarm flared in the doe's nerves, but although her reflexes were fast and the light when first glimpsed was still many wheels away across the desolate countryside, there was never a chance for her to escape.